HN Podcast with Miller and Dace. Kind of a little bit of a potpourri of things to get to tonight. A little basketball, a little Big Ten football, and a little baseball predictions as we thoroughly, uh, some, well, I shouldn't say thoroughly embarrassed ourselves last year. I think we both had the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series, so we got that one right. Um, but how we got there necessarily wasn't great, but we'll put our picks out there again this year. Steve, let's start with um, basketball. By the way, your... Um, your NCAA bracket this year, are you are you about to win? Are you in a pool this year? May you finally break the streak the same year Northwestern broke their streak? I think I've got a chance to win my uh, contest. I set up something for, you know, just people who follow me on social media or watch us on CRTV. So there's a few hundred people that uh, just got, got into my group at ESPN.com. And... I think I'm, I'm one of the only people that had in the whole group that had North Carolina and Gonzaga in the final. So I've not checked the standings since the final four went final last night, but uh, it's, I'm, I'm going to end up doing pretty good. It's, I think it might be the first time. I've picked the champion right several times, but I have never, to my best recollection, I mean, I th- first pool I ever did, I was 15 years old. So going back, that's, you know, 28 years ago now. I, I can't remember a time that I ever picked the national championship game right, both teams. So, yeah, I guess, you know what, man? I get it right. Once once every 23 years, whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah, I think I got a three in the final four one time, but I, I never, I don't know, the, I can't remember if I had the national championship game right. Hey, by the way, thanks for that invite. I mean, I follow you on social media. I, I guess maybe I should have been looking at your feet a little closer that day. So you basically just stepped on a rake by ripping me, but in doing so admitting, you know, I really don't pay attention to what you put on social media. No, anyway. I did. So. As, it, as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I guess I do follow you on Twitter. I could have paid more attention. <laughs> well, you should have. Did, have, you, have you seen what I've been putting up with today? Due to the nature of the content of what Steve has been putting up with today, we've moved this portion of the recording to the end of tonight's podcast as to keep as many sports-related listeners as possible. We'll put that at the end. Pardon the inconvenience. I don't even know where to begin. Hey, look, there's been some news in the Big Ten uh, since you and I last spoke. You were out of, unavailable last week. Um, Illinois has a new ba- a basketball coach. They hired Underwood away from Oklahoma State, which uh, caught a lot of people here in my neck of the woods down in the Tulsa area off guard. Um, and Indiana has um, hired not some, somebody not named Steve Alford. They hired Archie Miller. And the way, let's start with the Indiana thing. The way that that went down and the timeline with how it went down, you had Steve Alford you know, losing in, in the Sweet 16 round. And that night after the game, he's like, you know, I'm not interested in Indiana. I'm staying here. And then the very next day before noon, Indiana announces that Archie Miller is their coach. I, the, the timeline is very suspicious to me. I don't exactly know which horse I'd want to bet on. I, I almost think that the Pierre Pierce stuff came up in such a strong way and such a much more strongly than anticipated way in Indiana media as well as elsewhere in the country that Indiana maybe had cold feet. Maybe they heard from some people said that we don't want this problem. Um, and they told Steve that, and it allowed Steve the opportunity to say that he's happy and he's staying at UCLA. Or 
maybe he is just happy and wants to stay at UCLA and not return to a fishbowl type of existence that he would have in Bloomington, that he had in Iowa City, to where when you're in L.A., if somebody sees, if you're Steve Alford in L.A. and somebody sees you out eating dinner with your wife, they're probably not going to roll up on you the way they are going to in Bloomington because they just saw Jack Nicholson eating there two hours ago, so who cares? You're Steve Alford, and, a lot, and some people might not even know who he is out there. Maybe they like that for this point in time in their life. I don't know. What do you think? I think Steve Alford, having covered him for several years, but it was many years ago now. I mean, it's been over a decade. Um, but I was around the program a lot in those days, as you well know. We had a mutual friend who was an assistant. So I, despite some of the public rows I had with Alford, I'd get invited to go to practice and other things. Um, I went to Media Day, did my show from there every year, including the year that the whole thing was going on with Pierre um, and the controversy of, of Steve asserting his innocence outside the courthouse. And I had a lot of, um, I guess you'd say, uh, difficulties with the way that he handled that. I thought he was dead wrong. In fact, I remember getting uh, an email uh, from a guy who used to run the iClub, Barry or something or other was his name, telling me that if I didn't let up off Pierre Pierce, I was going to lose every doctor and lawyer who had money in my audience to actually buy stuff from our advertisers, and I'd be left with only Iowa State fans who are just farmers. Seriously, sent me this email. Um, I remember being at media day. I think you were with me the next year after Pierre came back and we sat there in Carver Hawkeye watching a couple of dads take their boys up to Pierre and get his autograph. I think you were there with me, weren't you for that one? I think so. I can't, I, I get lost. I, that wasn't the year of Vance trailer. Was it? No, okay. no, it was not. Okay. No, but, um, uh, you know, but I, I, like you, I had private meetings with him, conversations with him. At a point in time where I thought we had buried the hatchet and that I was really disgusted by the way he left Greg Lansing to hang out there to dry. I mean, to send him down to a junior college tournament to recruit when Andy Katz and other people out there reporting he's out of a job. And then when he calls you from the junior college tournament, you tell him, no, no, we're keeping you. So then you have him at the junior college tournament instead of the coaches convention where he could have gone there if you're going to fire him. I mean, Steve Alford could fire everybody whenever he wants. It's his assistant coach. But he could have done it in a way that allowed him to go to the coach's convention and get another gig. Just really screwed him, I thought, at that time. And so this had been after I thought we had kind of buried the hatchet. I really didn't like the way that was handled. So uh, that hatchet got dug back up. And then I moved on to HO when he left town. And, 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 and I, I just think there's a lot of complicated history with Steve Alford. I don't root against him at all. I think he's a good basketball coach, competent. I don't think he's a great one by any stretch. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I get the argument you're making about the fishbowl difference between Indiana and UCLA. But keep in mind, this is a place where they were flying planes over Pauley Pavilion last year demanding his firing. All right. And and he's voluntarily giving years back on his contract as a as a I'm sorry to the admin to the administration. He's losing Lonzo Ball, losing TJ Leaf. They have a good recruiting class coming in, but I have a hard time believing they'll be as good as they were this year. Losing his son. And he's losing his son. He's a hell of a shooter. So he, he couldn't get a he, – he's taken them to a couple of Sweet 16s. Steve Lavin took them to four straight Sweet 16s, and for that they fired his ass. 
Ben Howland took him to Final Fours three out of four years. For that, they fired him. So I, I have a hard time believing they didn't want the Indiana job. If they, if they didn't, I think they have completely misread right. the situation they're in in L.A. I mean, completely misread. Well, that makes he sense. Is, he's one bad season away, he's fired. I'm just telling you. In fact, if they had gone to the Final Four this year and had a bad season next year, I still think he'd be fired. I think he's on that kind of thin ice out there. I really do. And I just uh, – the whole situation to me does not add up. It just doesn't. From waiting two weeks or, or you know, waiting a full week after the season is over and then fi- firing Tom Crean literally as the NCAA tournament is about to tip off. Uh, so you left a guy hanging out there for, to dry for a week. And I'm not the biggest Tom Crean fan in the world, but he was Big Ten coach in the year last year and won you a Big Ten championship. So dug your program out from nuclear winner when he took over. Uh, and then you fire him just as the tournament's taken off. Um, and by the way, by all accounts, sounds like a, a heck of a dude in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you can get Greg Doyle, of all people, to, to write an emotional, heartfelt piece about you, you have to be a swell guy. Because Greg Doyle makes Ebenezer Scrooge look like freaking Gandhi, okay? So, yeah, I mean, if you're turning Greg Doyle into a bleeding heart, then you must be a pretty swell dude. So um, the whole situation in Indiana smells. The way the football – same AD that handled the, the, the weird handling of the football program last year, where we don't really know what happened there. Clearly something was wrong, though, for a football coach to say, yeah, I'll take three hundred grand as a settlement on a multi-year guaranteed million-dollar deal. But then again, you got to think, you're, you're worried about the Pierre Pierce fishbowl in, in, in Indiana from something that happened ten years ago and, and, and three head coaching jobs ago. And, yeah, I understand the era we live in with Baylor and everything else. And as a dad with two daughters like you, I'm all, to me, I'm all for the paranoia we have about sexual assault. Long overdue, if you ask me. But this guy's also been coaches at the coach at two other schools since since that Iowa job. I just I have a hard time believing that was an issue because the other big concern we have, John, is player safety. That's the other thing we have hysteria about right now in collegiate sports. And Ohio State just turned right around. You want to talk fishbowls? Columbus, Ohio is the biggest fishbowl in collegiate sports. It's the biggest it's the biggest city in America of a major program with no pro sports teams in the entire country. It's Bloomington, Indiana on steroids. There's over two million there's over two million people that live in the Columbus metro area. Yes, and Ohio State just turned right around and hired the Indiana coach who apparently mistreated his players and gave him the job of offensive coordinator. So there's just as much hysteria about player safety in college sports as there is the the what's going on right now, deservedly so, with the overlooking of sexual assault. I just don't believe that has anything to do with it at all. So, I don't. so basically, I, I thought it was one of those two options that I laid out, one of those two scenarios that I laid out. And you've peed all over the Pierre Pierce potential angle, and you've also believed that there's no way Steve Alford would have turned that down unless he vastly overjudged his hand in UCLA. Then, then, what's, then what do you think it is? I don't know. Well, I think I think it's quite possible that they that the AD there is uh, out of his depth, bean cutter, bean counter, Bruce Vandevelde type, and I got along very well with Bruce Vandevelde when he was at Iowa State. You know, as you well know, he was my source for just about every story at Iowa State I had. Okay, but so you get pretty good stories when you get it straight from the AD. But he was also out of his depth. Gr- good guy, 
nice guy, did a good job cleaning up the finances there after Gene Smith's fantasy island, but just not a leader of men, not a visionary. He's, you know, he's middle management, man. You know, he can't, he doesn't carry a room. Could very well be that that AD at Indiana just botched this. I don't know. Could be that Offer just took a look at that and said, I don't think this guy is serious about it. Although, man, you got Dockage out there now who has essentially become the biggest media figure, sports media figure in the state of Indiana. I mean, he's the second, he's the number two analyst on ESPN next behind Billis. And given his person personality compared to Billis, he overshadows him in my view. So you've got him out there saying it's a done deal, people lobbying for it, time to come home again. Something just went awry. I'm not really sure what it is. Um, I, and, and knowing Alford's history, which is a history of overflating his positioning, it is entirely possible that he just sat there and thought, you know, I've got this going at UCLA right now. I, I um, <clears throat> And um, I don't want to have to go home again and deal with all of that, which if so, listen, it's his life. He's over 50 years old now. Kids are grown. If that's what him and Tanya want, fine. Just I'm analyzing it strictly on a professional level. I think if that is the issue, they better win at least 25 games next year because I think he's really overvaluing the strength of the positioning he has at UCLA. The, the, one, the one advantage he may have is watch the football team very closely. If they have another down year in football, they're absolutely going to make a coaching change. And I don't know how many schools. I don't even know, I don't even know if schools like Ohio State and Texas – which are your top two revenue generators in our in our in our in our in college sports? I don't know that they could afford in the same academic year buying out and rehiring football and men's basketball coaches in the same cycle. So if the football team wins eight or more games, Jim Mora Jr. will be back. If they don't, I think he's toast, and that probably means that Alford will be safe there for another year because I can't imagine they would. Make both of those moves in the same year. All right. But barring that, I think he's overestimated his positioning out there. And when you look at Indiana, um, you know, there was some talk the day before Archie Miller, Billy Donovan. That move would have made a lot of sense to me because I think Billy Donovan is Russell Westbrook's free agent contract to go somewhere else away from getting his ass fired, too. That's the way it works in the NBA. So he's done a real good job. And he's done a good job. You know, he did a good job last year. I don't know how hard it is to coach Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook and 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 you know Kevin Durant on the same team. They'll go get them, guys. You got this, you know. And this year, you only have one scoring option on that Oklahoma City team, and it's and it's Westbrook. So you basically just tell him go get a triple double every night, you know. And when Westbrook's contract is up, he's probably out of there. And then Billy Donovan's out of a job. There's only only five or six jobs, you know, that are of the elite level that Donovan, um, you know, would demand. This is one of them. I think he would have the ten, I think he would have the ability. When you look at the personalities and ages of the dominant coaches in the Big Ten, Tom Izzo, he's John Beeline. These guys are all closer to retirement than the other way around. Matt Painter doesn't dominate a room. I think Fran McCaffrey has a lot of charisma, but he's coaching in Iowa, and I don't mean to be that derogatory. This is the Hawkeye Nation podcast, but historically, it doesn't rate with uh, you know the top two or three programs in the conference. I think Donovan could do in Big Ten basketball what Urban Meyer did in football, made every school reevaluate the order of things. I, I think he would walk right in there and just freaking dominate, dominate. 
I, I think it would have been a smart move for him to take it. Maybe Steve heard about Billy Donovan's name and his ego got hurt. It's not like you and I don't have experience of Steve Alford's ego getting hurt. I don't know. But you go from something just doesn't seem right to me. When you go from Billy Donovan to your all-time favorite son to hiring a Tom Crean clone with a lesser resume. And I get sick of every every hire's great and all these guys are great guys. Yeah. Somebody sucks. It's like recruiting classes. Everybody's recruiting class. Well, somebody's recruiting class sucks, John, because somebody's getting fired in two or three years. So somebody, somebody's class in February blows chunks, man, chunk watts. Somebody, somebody, some of these coaches suck. Otherwise, a job, no jobs would be available. Archie Manning's resume is what? I'm the Archie Manning. I'm sorry. Our Archie Miller's resume is what? I'm Sean Miller's brother. I took over at Dayton. Okay, well, the previous guy there, Brian Gregory, won more games than I did. Went to Georgia Tech, got his ass ran out of town. Couldn't yeah, it, it, it's it's one of the better it, it's one of the better mid major jobs as far as fan support there is in the country. I agree, it's one of the better, but I wouldn't say it's well. I wouldn't say Xavier and Butler are mid major jobs anymore. They moved to that Big East Conference, so I don't think. Yeah, and, and Wichita jobs. State's paying you know over three mil a year, and they've got good support. But the, the, I mean, the, I think they average thirteen thousand people per game. At that, that's program. So essentially, he's Tom Crean without Dwayne Wade. That, that's exactly that's what he is. Yeah. And I, I, I tweeted that uh, I think last week. Um, that that that's it. Nobody I, starting in Bloomington. Or I'm sorry, starting in West Lafayette, South Bend, where Mike Bray's got it going there in state, but different conference. Starting in South Bend and West Lafayette, nobody got up. I'm promising you, no matter what they're saying publicly. Nobody got up the morning, next morning and said, crap, Archie Miller's here, man. i got to put in another 16-hour day. There's not one coach in the Big Ten Conference whose job is tougher today because Archie Miller got hired at Indiana. Just not. That doesn't mean he won't do a real good job. But how hard is it to do a real good job? Mike Davis took Indiana to a national championship game, man. Mike Davis, okay? Seriously, how hard is it? It's not hard to be a competent or good coach at a, at a program of that magnitude. Now, it is hard to be a Hall of Fame coach anywhere. That doesn't take away from what Bob Knight did there, for example. But how hard is it to be a competent or good coach at a school with all those advantages? Answer, not very. If you're a competent coach, you'll probably be at least competent there. So I think he'll probably do maybe somewhere around what Tom Crane did, but I don't think it's, you know... I don't think it changes the paradigm in the Big Ten Conference whatsoever. Man, yeah. I don't know what you think. No, I, I agree with everything you said with regards to Miller. I think Indiana fans definitely want to see him maybe make Indiana preps more of a priority than Crean did. Now, Crean got some of the better ones that were available, but I, I still believe for the hardcore Hoosier fans, they felt that he should have offered and gotten more Indiana high school kids than he did. Um, and, you know, I think Iowa got one of those kids who was uh, – he was a little bit of a late bloomer, and Fran McCaffrey got in on him. Jack Nungi, I, I think that kid is going to be a great player for Iowa. He's one of the top five players for consideration for Indiana's Mr. Basketball, and the other four are in ESPN's top 32, and none of them are going to Indiana. And that's not a good thing. Um, so tell me why, why I want to – so the assumption is, of course – the assumption is Crean didn't want those kids. That's their assumption, right? That is their assumption. Okay. Maybe they didn't want Crean. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. E either so way. So tell, tell me. Tell me. Either way, it's damnable in their eyes. 
Yeah, what cachet does Archie Miller have when he, he walks He has nothing. In? He has nothing other than he's Indiana's coach. That's it. Well, what, you're, but what you are talking about is why I thought Alford could kill it there. Right. What did and we I, talk about on the podcast yeah. two weeks ago yeah. is we talked about the one thing he could do that maybe no one else they could possibly hire. Although if you were, I didn't think Billy Donovan was a legit name at the time. But if, if I'd known that at the time, I'd say he could do it, too. But but, you know, when we talked without Billy Donovan, notwithstanding the one the one thing we said Alford could do that maybe no other name on planet Earth could do is lock down the Indiana high school coaches across the state. He'd lock them all down. No doubt. I don't know that Archie Miller does that. I mean, I don't I don't know that Archie Miller freezes Matt Painter out of a, a single high school in Indiana. But, you know, I also don't pretend to be an expert on Indiana basketball, you know, the, the local conditions either. I, I just don't see Archie Miller as a transformative hire. And I've read plenty that Greg Marshall had told people Indiana is always a job he's coveted. I'd have made him tell me no. You bet. You can turn Wichita State into a national power. I mean, the only time – that they have been, they had a couple nice teams in the mid '80s when we were growing up. Other than that, they've not been relevant in college basketball at all for decades. And he's made them a national program now. I'd absolutely, any plays in entertaining style of basketball, I'd make him tell me no if he was truly interested before I even gave Archie Miller an interview. Yeah, they hadn't been relative, um, relevant since what Xavier McDaniel back in the day. Yeah. That's what I said. We're going back to the mid-'80s now, yeah, right? Mid-80s, so. Yeah, mid-'80s. All right, look, let, let's do this exercise. The Chicago Tribune wrote an article that you passed along to me as far as their ranking of what the Big Ten's best basketball jobs are. And let's do it from this premise. Every single job is open, and you get your choice of which ones you want and in somewhat of an order. I, I listed them all out, 1 through 14. I don't know if you did that or not, but I'm sure – you can play along, and we'll, we'll take turns here. To me, number one, the number one job in the Big Ten is Indiana. I think that the um, the passion for basketball at Indiana is only exceeded at maybe five or six other places, if even exceeded. It is the bell cow program, and there's really, you know, maybe you can say the same thing for Maryland, but other than that, you, you can't say, and Purdue, those would be the schools where basketball takes precedence in the Big Ten. Um, you know, it, it's not like the ACC. Indiana would be the closest thing to the ACC that the Big Ten has as far as just, you know, pure craziness and fandom along those lines. Got a decent facility, great fan support, and, and very good talent comes from that state. People don't realize how big Indianapolis is as far as population. And that state produces very good basketball players, and it doesn't necessarily have to be from Indianapolis. So in my opinion, it's the number one job in the league that I would take. I would probably put jobs in this league in tiers. And I would put Indiana in a tier by itself. I, I think it's number one with a bullet. I don't even think it's close. I mean, I think it's way out in front. And, you know, this goes to the exercise I did for our podcast about a month ago, looking at the last, you know, 50 years of, of college basketball landscape. There's one Big Ten team that I had ranked among the Blue Bloods, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, UCLA, and the one Big Ten team is Indiana. So I agree with you. They are number one with a bullet. I think they're in a tier by themselves for all the reasons you just indicated. Number two, I would put Maryland. At number two, as far as a job that I would take if Indiana's taken. Um, the D.C. area is a very good recruiting hotbed. Um, Maryland is 
what, you know, 15 minutes from, from downtown DC. Uh, one of the best home court environments in the sport. Uh, you know, I have several friends of mine who, you know, cover the beats for the Big Ten for Iowa. I mean, they think it might be the loudest arena there is in the Big Ten. And just phenomenal support there, good recruiting base. I And basketball is also a very prominent and popular sport there on equal footing at worst with football, but I would say more so. So I would say Maryland's job would be what I would go after uh, behind Indiana's. Uh, I'm fine with that. You know, I would, I would, like I said, I'd put them in tiers. Indiana's its own. Uh, Maryland would certainly be in the next tier of national jobs. I think Indiana's a blue blood. Then I think there's several programs in the Big Ten that are national jobs. And and as we go through this, there may be some schools that might be better jobs right now than they've ever been historically, or some schools that are not as good at jobs right now as they have been historically. But um, yeah, Maryland's a place where you can get to Final Fours. You can win national championships. You mentioned the DMV and all of the players and the talent that's around you, especially with Georgetown down right now. And, you know, they've been down for the last couple of years, which I think has helped Maryland reassert itself. And they're getting ready to hire a new coach. So we don't really know who that is yet. So now, so historically, this is a great program. And the timing for it right now, contemporary, is good too. So I'm fine with that. My number three probably is a little bit due to timing in the last 15, 20 years versus, say, you know, 25, 30 years ago. I would have Michigan State at three. Um, very good talent in the state. Obviously, they share the state with Michigan, who's not too much farther behind here. Um, and they've got a, you know, a, a national championship history, a, a very vibrant Final Four history over the course of the last 15 years. Very good student section, uh, an arena that's built to have the students down low. You know, a lot of Iowa fans say, get the students low in Carver Hawkeye. But one thing that they did at the Breslin Center is the lower ring, they have a wall behind the first, I don't know, 15, 20 rows, if that many, and it gets elevated about eight feet. That way the students can stand. No one else behind them has to stand. It's a very good setup. And uh, so I would have that job at number three. They, it, it would be in the second tier for me as well. I'm fine with you putting it there. I, like I said, I, I would tier them. I think what's interesting, you know, I went to school there right as that building was 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 in its infancy. And um, I was there at the end of the Heathcote era. So it wasn't quite the is yet. And it was a nice facility, nothing atmospheric like what it is now. Um, there's really only two coach Michigan State's entire basketball history of 100 years is really two coaches, about half the Heathcote era. And, you know, he's had the Kelser uh, Magic teams that won the national championship. And after that, you know, he was pretty good like every other year. But they weren't, you know, a consistent Big Ten power. Um, they were sort of a consistent, you know, periphery NCAA team that would compete for a Big Ten title every few years. They had a Steve Smith type. And then the uh, the era we have now with Izzo, where he's just a Hall of Fame coach. They've had 20 consecutive NCAA tournaments. So historically, I would wonder, is that duplicatable? Or did Izzo catch lightning in a bottle with, uh, you know, Robert Tractor Trailer's uh, uh, car from J Ed Martin rolling over on a wintry night with Mateen Cleaves, and he just so happened to be the guy at Michigan State while the Michigan program was imploding? We'll probably find that out, you know, in about four or five years. Like, like I, I think I saw you put put this on Twitter after Wisconsin lost. The Greg Gard era actually begins now. Completely agree with that. Okay, uh, but. 
if you're going to look at the trend line for them and the advantages you just said, even if you think that that what Izzo has done at Michigan State isn't replicatable, they still have all those other advantages that you just listed. So I would still put them in the second tier of jobs. Yeah, and, and that's what I have to look at when I'm looking at these jobs to take because since I'm looking at this from the standpoint of a coach, that means I have a, a level of gravitas that makes me think I'm going to be able to do it just somebody yeah. else did. I can do it too. Yeah, I so, get that. Number four, and, and you may disagree with this, I'm having Illinois right here. Um, incredible in-state talent. How they've done, uh, how they performed under the John Gross era is the reason why the John Gross era is over. That is inexcusable for that program to miss four consecutive NCAA tournaments with the talent that state produces. Obviously, Chicago produces a ton of talent. It's not a foregone conclusion that Chicago kids want to go to Champaign about two and a half hours south. But then you have what everyone in Chicago refers to as downstate Illinois. You have Peoria, which is a 90-minute drive from Champaign. And Peoria has historically put together some fantastic ballplayers. Sergio McLean, Frankie Williams, guys that I covered when I was doing TV in Peoria back in the uh, early to mid-1990s. Just really good players. Recent upgrades uh, to Assembly Hall. Well, they don't call it Assembly Hall anymore. I think it's uh, some insurance name now. Um Historically, they've appeared in the second most AP polls of any Big Ten team in history, only behind Indiana. And it is a it is a fan base that's rabid to get back to where they were. I would have Illinois at number four. Uh, I would have them in my second tier for all the reasons you just indicated. But I also have to ask myself this question. I don't think they've ever won a national championship. Uh, Lou Du went to one Final Four, I believe. And then they went to the Final Four in 05 when... Um, Self. When Self left and was replaced by... Uh, oh, the guy that's at Kansas State now who took over for him. Um, Bruce... Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can't believe I can't. Yeah, but he was actually... The Kansas State guy was actually the coach of that team. Self Weber, Bruce Weber. Bruce Weber, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I'd put him in my second tier. And the reason I haven't tiered is because um, I'm guessing Michigan will be next on your list. You're so, right. So um, if I'm looking at it historically, Michigan is better than Michigan State. And facility-wise, they finally have invested what Michigan State had. If I'm looking at it the last 20 years, Michigan State's better than Michigan. So I think when, I think that's when we start getting into splitting hairs. And and. And basketball is not as cut and dried as it is in football. So I think you're better off putting them in tiers because I think there are secondary factors that you may put over others. You know, like I was impressed that Illinois, you're right, I, I saw that over the weekend. They are number two behind Indiana in all-time appearances in the AP poll, but they don't really have the, the postseason success as a program that really would, would – would, in fact, I think they were number 11 all-time in the AP poll. I'd be willing to bet just sight unseen – that if we looked at the the top 15 teams in the all-time AP poll, Illinois had the least amount of, of championship success of any of those teams, which is odd. But for all the other reasons you just listed, they absolutely do belong there. I agree. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm looking at this AP data right now, too, uh, and we mentioned Michigan State earlier, and your point about, you know, the half of the, the second half of the Heath – or the half of the Heathcote era and then the Tom Izzo era um, – 
two-thirds of Michigan State's total poll appearances all time in the AP poll have come since Tom Izzo was named head coach yeah. in 1995. See, so you nailed, you nailed that. In the last six, six decades, Michigan's been to at least one Final Four in five of them. All right? And that's multiple different coaches. That's Johnny Orr. That's Steve Fisher. That's uh, John Beeline. And that doesn't even count the entire Bill Frieder era where he had maybe the two best teams Michigan had in that entire time span that went back-to-back undisputed Big Ten championships and flamed out in the NCAA tournament. Yep. So you wonder, I do, you do wonder if, if anything close to what Izzo has done is a sustainable model in right. East Lansing because no one else has duplicated that. But because of all the other factors you mentioned, I'd make him a second-tier job. I would. Yep. I just told you that Michigan's next on my list at number five, their history, you mentioned, um, their proximity to Detroit. Um, I think it, even though they're not in the same tier as Indiana, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, UCLA, I think that they are still one of those legacy it cool schools and, and maybe this is just, you know, the 46-year-old John talking because when I was 20 years old and the Fab, the Fab Five were there, I mean, they were a traveling roadshow. I mean, they didn't get any more cool than that. Heck, they saved future generations from the embarrassment that I had to live through with the high basketball <laughs> shorts. Um, they yep. t- took those out of circulation. <laughs> to me, I mean, Michigan on the five line, you could talk me into the three, the four, or the five with them. Um, but it, it, Michigan State has more poll appearances, but as we mentioned, those were all just recently, so they've had a good history. Um, number six, and this is where it gets a little, I shouldn't say tougher, but I would have Ohio State, and I, I had Ohio State very close to the four, five, and six line. Third most AP polls in Big Ten history behind Indiana and Illinois. As we already mentioned, there's two million people in the Columbus metro area, so you have a, a lot of talent in schools and areas where basketball is an important part of the community. Um, I think it's a really good job. And prior to the last couple of years with Thad Mata, as his health, his back issues really sap a lot of strength out of him, you know, his, his, from the start of his career at Ohio State till two years ago, you're putting him you're putting him up there with names of all-time Big Ten coaches with regards to winning percentage. So you can recruit there, you can recruit well there. The state's going to produce a lot of talent every year. Probably a job that maybe deserves to be higher than sixth, but you know, it is a Buckeye football program area, even though they play in a great arena as well. But they are they. Attendance is really flagging the last couple of years. Agree with everything you said. So we're over the same mind here. This is where my second tier would end at Ohio State. Um, they have all those advantages you mentioned. They haven't won a national championship since the Jerry Lucas teams in the early, in the early 60s that Bob Knight was on. Actually, was a sixth man on those teams, if I recall. But they had uh, a couple Big Ten championships under Randy Ayers. Uh, Gary Williams, uh, before he went to Maryland, took him to a few NCAA tournaments. Those were the Jay Burson teams. Dennis Hopson, you remember those guys? Mm-hmm. Um, you look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, what Jim O'Brien did there. He took him to a Final Four in 2000, actually. Uh, he took him to the Final Four. That was Tom, or 1999, actually. It was Tom Izzo's first Final Four for Michigan State that year. Uh, you look at Thad Mata has taken him to a Final Four a national championship game. That was the Greg Oden, Michael Conley team that lost to Florida's back-to-back champions. So you can win big there. I think what's interesting is 
Uh, I've been reading some stuff on where their basketball program is headed because there's a lot of talk that Thad Mata could be on the hot seat for next season. And a lot of people are blaming that Value City Arena, John. Remember when they built that several years ago, that was considered like a crown jewel in the Big Ten, right? Now they're saying it's too spacious, it's a mausoleum, it has no energy. So I don't know why they've turned on their arena so quickly, but I haven't been to a game there, so I'll trust the local fans. They know more about that than, than I do. But I definitely think they would be in the national program tier of jobs in the Big Ten with the other schools we mentioned. And so this is where my cutoff point for Tier 2 would be. Right. Now, 7 through 10 for me are all probably in another tier with a little bit of hierarchy. Um, I went with Wisconsin at 7. Um, there's not a Wisconsin state. Pretty populous. It, it's not one of the largest states in the country, but Iowa has, what, 3 million people. Wisconsin has over 5. You've got um, good talent base there in Milwaukee. Um so that, that's why I went with them at number seven. They certainly don't have the history that, you know, some other teams a little bit down the road have. They've got a, a nice arena, um, a great, great fan support there, you know, a more modern arena. That's why I have them at seven. And I would put them in that next tier as well, you know, and Dick Bennett took them to a Final Four. So it's just not all the Bo Ryan era. Greg Garth's did a great job in holding that together. And now we'll find out as he charts his own course. And he does so without a shtick. You know, Dick Bennett had that uh, hit you with an ugly stick shtick. Bo Ryan had that flex offense. Hit, you know, that sh- his, his power of his persona. He had that shtick. Guard doesn't really have any of those things. And now that that outstanding senior class and all those guys have moved on, now he's got to really put his stamp on the program. And it will be fascinating to see if he is able to do it or not. If, if we were ranking the schools in this next year, I would put Purdue ahead of Wisconsin. In fact, I could make an argument that maybe Purdue belongs in my tier two jobs. But if, if, if they're not in my tier two, I definitely would put them ahead of Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not as high on Purdue as you are. Next up, I have Minnesota. Um, not going to make Hawkeye fans happy there. But when I look at these jobs, I, I look at what Minnesota just invested in their new um, – their new athlete complex that's being built. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a campus that's in the middle of a city. Not that that's necessarily something that I would prefer as a player, but some people like that aspect. It's right there in Minneapolis, a very large population base, a better recruiting base than what you have year in, year out in the state of Iowa. Although Iowa's had several very, very good players on the national level. Um, very unique home court setting. I th- to me, it's whenever I see Iowa has a road game at Minnesota, I usually put down a loss. Doesn't really matter the year. I th- I just think that that job's a pretty good job. I think you have it way overrated. It historically has done very little to nothing. They had a couple decent teams in the seventies. Clem Haskins had a decent team in uh, I think it was nineteen ninety, and then a Final Four, the Bobby Jackson team in ninety seven, and. Uh, they went on probation for what he did to get them to that juncture. Um, uh, you know, I, I give Richard Pertino a lot of credit for the nine-game turnaround this year. We'll see if he can sustain that. Um, but I don't. I just don't think by any metric you can say Minnesota's a better job than Purdue. I just don't. Well, I did.
almost out of that. That's great. <laughs> that is very well played. I like that a lot. That's tremendous. I had nothing we else. Should, but I had nothing else with that. We should just end this right with that. That's my that's my version of screw you. That's uh, a that's a great mic drop. I loved it. I just loved that. That was um, good. I've got Iowa next, but I think you've probably talked me into putting Purdue higher than Iowa. Um, Iowa's got a new practice facility, top 25 attendance legacy. I think year in, year out, better fan support than what Purdue has. But Purdue has very good fan support. Yes, they're second fiddle in Indiana, but you can get by because, you know, the Hoosiers can only take, you know, three, four, five kids a year. And you can put together a good program on kids five, six, seven, and eight from the state of Indiana. Um, they, have they been, has Purdue been to a Final Four? Not since 1980 when with Joe Barely Cares. That's right. That's right, 1980, yep. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think for me, Purdue I was 9-10. Um, you would have had Purdue higher, so you probably have, you know, Minnesota-Iowa at 9-10, I would guess. Yeah, the more I think about it, actually, i got to put Purdue in my second tier. I mean, I think they actually are they're either slightly ahead of Indiana or slightly behind them in all-time Big Ten championships. So i got to put them higher than that. i, I got to put them in that second tier, even though they, seem, they don't have the postseason success, but their regular season resume absolutely puts them in that second tier. I think they're better. that's a better job than Wisconsin, Minnesota, or, or Iowa. And I think I think I think Iowa and Wisconsin are good jobs. I think historically Iowa's a better one. Um, that may not be the case right now, but I don't know. We'll see what Greg Gard can do. But, we're gonna the, the good news is we're gonna find out if Iowa's a better job than Wisconsin because you got Fran McCaffrey now who has kind of settled in as Iowa's coach. It's his program. He he took he stabilized things after the the Licklider era, and now he's got one of the more talented uh, and exciting teams coming back next yeah. year. And Greg Gard now has had two years to recruit, knowing he was going to lose all these guys. He's, he's going to have a first-team All-Big Ten player coming back in Ethan Happ, and that's about it. We'll see who he can put around him. You know? So we'll kind of get our answer in the next year or two, really, if, if Wisconsin has passed Iowa in the Big Ten job hierarchy or not. But I would put Minnesota behind both of those jobs for sure. Numbers aren't everything, but let me throw these – to you since in the AP's top 100 basketball programs of all time as judged upon by number of poll appearances. Iowa ranks 23rd all-time, Purdue 24th. Iowa has appeared in 29.78% of all polls, Purdue 29.61. Purdue's never been ranked number one at any point in time in the history of their basketball program. Iowa has had that ranking one time um, for a few weeks in 1987. That's amazing. Uh, Purdue's never been number one with how many Big Ten titles they've yep. won. Wow. Never been number one. Purdue's best full decade with regards to percentage of poll appearances was the 1980s where they appeared in 53.37% of all polls in the 80s. That's also Iowa's best AP poll decade where Iowa appeared in 68.67%, so a full 15% more, both of them, the Iowa had over Purdue in each program's best decade, which was the same decade. Iowa's worst decade was 8.33% of polls in the 70s. Purdue's worst decade was the 1950s at 3.7%. So just on those numbers alone, you could make a case that Iowa's program would rank ahead of Purdue's, but I'm not going to go to the mat with numbers like that. So 
Anyhow. Depends on what you value. You're right. But to me, if you look at championships, that's just that doesn't that's not even close. I mean, Indiana and Purdue are way ahead of everybody else in Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, sports. yeah. Listen, I, I'd I'd much rather have more Big Ten championships than boy, we had more rankings in the AP poll this week than you did. I don't ever remember buying a T-shirt that said that. Yeah, but you're right that, that it's it is more competitive than you think on the surface for sure. I agree with you on that. No, no question. Um, Eleven. I've got Rutgers. Access to a lot of talent in their area. The rack isn't necessarily a great arena. Um, I would probably rank it, you know, given that Northwestern's now going to be redoing Welsh Ryan, probably the worst in the, in, in the league. But I just think that they have more access to talent than Nebraska. Um, I think that, you know, Penn State, I have last, nice arena, but wrestling actually has a better um, average attendance draw than Penn State basketball does. Uh, Northwestern, I've got 13th, arena upgrades coming. Um, a remarkable student training facility being built there on Lake Michigan. Uh, and I've got Nebraska 12th, newish arena. Pretty good fan support, actually. I mean, they were averaging 14, 15,000, um, but definitely a distant second field of football. So I've got Rutgers, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Penn State to round it out. I think you're right in terms of those tiers. I don't know that I'd rank them all the same way that you would, but I'd be splitting hairs. Nebraska is a nice facility, not a lot of tradition, but you know we know in the Danny Nee era that they were able to actually be a top 25 team. Uh, you know, consistently make NCAA tournaments. Uh, you know, we know from the from uh, Big Ten Elite that Rutgers made a Final Four once uh, in uh, 1976. The year Indiana had the undefeated team, they were one of the final four teams there. Um, they've been to some other NCAA tournaments. You know, they played Iowa in an NCAA tournament. I think it was in 88 or 89. Um, so, I mean, they've had some success. There's a lot of talent locally, but their athletic department's a mess. Uh, you mentioned um, Northwestern. You know, if you were just looking at trend line, that job's way better than all the other teams in that tier because of the local talent base. Uh, Chris yeah, Collins, but the local big, talent base is you're, you're talking about a different type of kid that's going to. I was I, I was just going to go there though, but Chris Chris Collins has found a way to do what what Jim Harbaugh did to turn Stanford around, what Shashevsky did at Duke, what the best coach at Notre Dame have done. Use the academic standards instead of saying we can't get kids because of this, because instead use that as your recruiting pitch advantage. That you are one of the. This is like being a freaking Eagle Scout. It's hard enough to get a major college scholarship, but to get admitted to this school on top of it means you're an elite of an elite student athlete the minute you sign on. Those guys use that, the, the stringent academics, to their advantage. Plus, you mentioned the amenities that they have. They have a vibrant, young, charismatic coach. So if you know if we were going by the trend line, that job would be better than all the other ones in, the, in that tier. But if you look at it historically, it belongs with everybody else. And you know, Penn State's a school that... It's kind of a mystery. You know, they're the state school of Pennsylvania. It's really weird how they can recruit every year 25 kids from the from this from that state and surrounding communities to field one of the five or seven, five, six, seven, eight greatest college football programs of all time. But they can't get three or four kids from the same recruiting region to help be a competitive basketball league team. That's just damned odd to me. I've never been able to really, really to figure it out, but it is what it is. Indeed, it is. Um, before we go here, let's quickly toss our baseball picks out. Um, 
just to get on the record since it's opening night as we record this, April 2nd, 2017. I've got the Red Sox winning the American League East, Indians in the Central, Rangers in the West, and then I've got the Royals over Houston in the wild card, which probably is a bit of a homer pick. Then I've got the Indians over uh, – not – I didn't want the Indians over the Royals. Um, the Indians – over oh yeah the Indians over the Royals in their first round match and the Red Sox over the Rangers and the Indians beating the Red Sox to get back to the World Series in the National League I've got Washington Chicago and the Dodgers winning their divisions with the Mets beating the Giants for the wild card Cubs over the Mets Dodgers over the over the Nationals Cubs over the Dosh, uh, the Dodgers in a NLCS replay and the Cubs beating Cleveland in six games this year. Well, I've been pretty good with these the last few years. Uh, I, I did pick the Cubs to win it last year. I had the Royals two years before that when they shocked everybody. I picked them to go to the World Series. So um, our picks are not that off. Uh, I've got the Red Sox in the East. I think with the addition of Chris Sale now to go with the other two aces they had there, that's formidable. I think the lineup takes a hit without David Ortiz, but all they got to do is get to the postseason. Just get to the postseason with those three starters right. going in five and seven game series. That's tough. Okay. Um, in the Central, I've got the Indians. Uh, you know, people forget how good they were last year, and their best player, Michael Brantley, was hurt almost the whole year. Mm-hmm. Now he's supposed to be back. You had Encarnacion, you had Andrew Miller, who's just a witch on the back end of that bullpen. They are a prohibitive favorite. I think, a, I think the wild card is going to come out of that division. Mainly because I think a, I think the White Sox are so bad. I don't think the Royals are very good. I think there'll be a lot of wins at the bottom of that division for somebody to sneak into the wild card. And I so I actually think it's going to be the Tigers. I think their the window is closing, but they have their starting pitching rotation and lineup is so much better than the other three. The, every team in that division, other than Cleveland, in many respects, their team is built a lot like Cleveland's. It's just Cleveland's just has better younger players. Yeah, so we both pick uh, our favorite team for the wild card team. That's all right. But, but that had really nothing to do with my pick, but of course, okay. of course didn't you're pure it, as a driven. Star. No, I just, I just, I did just, I don't, I don't do things that way. That's all. But in the West, you went with the Rangers. Here's the thing I worry about with the Rangers. They had a charm life last year and they won that. They won a really good division, even though their run differential was only plus eight for the year. Okay. Mm, yeah. That tells you that they kind of had some fair, some some pixie dust last right. year. I think it won't happen two years in a row. I'm going to go with the Astros, who I was on last year. And, you know, you see this a lot with young teams. And they had that breakthrough year, and everybody jumps on them. And the next year they take a step back, and then they come back a year later when the pressure's off. I think that'll be the Astros. I think, uh, And I think the other wild card will be the Mariners. I don't think it matters who wins between the Tigers and the Mariners because I don't have any chance – uh, against either the Indians or the Red Sox in the next round. Uh, I think the uh, the ALCS will be the Red Sox and the Indians. And as much as I love Andrew Miller on the back end of the bullpen, and the Indians have a great staff, but facing, uh, you know, Price, Porcello, and Sale back to back to back. That's tough sledding, bro. Yeah, okay. the best way to beat a the best way to beat a great bullpen is uh, not let them get off the bench. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I'm going to go with the Red Sox and the AL. The National League in the East, I think the Nats, Nationals and the Mets are literally a flip of a coin. So I'll pick the, I, I flipped a coin this morning. It came up Mets, so I'm picking them. I'll put the Nationals in as a wild card, though. The Central, the Cubs are a prohibitive favorite. In fact, I, here's my challenge. 
pick an all-star team of all the rest of the teams in the National League Central and tell me if that's better than the team the Cubs have. I'm dead serious when I say that. It's it's an impressive line. I mean, I've been following during spring training, just looking at their lineup, just like, how, how do you have that much talent? I mean, they've got two or three guys that had to go down to the Des Moines that would be starters on every team in that division. Yeah, I don't know that it would be close, man. I'm just telling you, if you took the best players of all the other teams, it would be close. Um, and then you look at the West, and I would make the argument the two best teams in the National League, not called the Cubs, are in the West, the Dodgers and the Giants. So I think they'll battle all year long. Um, I think the Giants will obliterate uh, whoever comes out of the NL East as a wild card. Uh, and I, but I think it'll be the Cubs and the Dodgers in the NLCS again. I like the Cubs again. I think I think the Cubs will have a huge advantage this year, John, in that all the pressure's off now. They broke the curse. They broke the streak. And now they can now now it's just about playing baseball. And so I think it will be a ratings bonanza in October with the Cubs and the Red Sox, a network's dream. And I think the Cubs will repeat as World Series champions. All right. That will wrap it up for this edition of the HM Podcast, which I already ended out of order. So <laughs> it's memento, so there'll be more. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon. Have you, have you seen what I've been putting up with today? Um, I haven't. I've really not been on social media all weekend. I, I all right, so permit for our, indulge me for a second with our audience. Forgive me for what I'm about to do, okay? But I, I, before I went to church this morning, I put up a post. And you tell me what you think this means. You know, other than the fact that Trump hired a campaign manager and a national security advisor that are Putin stooges, is there any other evidence linking him in Russia? What do you think that means? Probably means what you're asking. Okay. So maybe it's maybe it is my fault. I, I basically I wrote that, you know, other than the fact he brought all these, you know, stooges into his own orbit and, and said him and put himself in this situation. Yeah, there's no other other than the fact he hired Putin stooges to help him run his campaign. There's no other evidence out there. You, know you know what I'm trying to say? I was trying to be sarcastic. Right. Okay? Right. At least that's what I thought. I get home in an hour, well, because we went to the Y, right? It worked out after church. So I got home about two hours later. Over 500 replies to that tweet. Yeah, you're right, Dave. There's no evidence at all. It's like saying, you know, if OJ hadn't stabbed his wife, there'd be no. I mean, I, I was, I mean, people were just losing it on me. This yeah. is still going. Last I checked, it's like at over 900 replies to this. Well, you're, some, like, you're somebody. I, well, but I'm thinking, did I? Is not what I said was that clearly not sarcasm? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's I must the not time. Be as maybe, good at sarcasm yeah. as I used to be. Well, you you so you made me just made, but you made just made me think about that when you were like, hey, you, yeah, well, you you know. Uh, you never invited me. Oh wait, that means I really don't pay attention to what you post on social media. So never mind. Let's switch. Let's switch topics. So there you go, folks. Uh, for Steve, I'm John. Thanks for listening to the Memento edition of the HN podcast. As I will be editing this and putting it at the end, so that we still have people listening to what we're about to do. All right, here we go. Let's get on with the. <laughs> 
Um, nice reference. That's a great movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, I didn't like it one bit, but um, everybody thought it was so cute and avant-garde. And you know what? It, it this this reminds me, man. We are going off the rails, so I really am going to backload the podcast with this out of sequence. But um, I had a buddy email me this, or text me this week. He's he's our age. He's a friend of mine in West Des Moines. I'm, I'm going to keep his name anonymous just so he's not ridiculed. He's never watched the Godfather movies ever. And he's, I've, always, mm. I, I've brought it up to him two or three times. Like, dude, you've seen the Godfather, right? No, I haven't seen it. So he finally decides to watch them just to see what he's been missing out on. And mm-hmm. he, he sends me a text midway through Godfather Part 2. And he's like, hey, got to be honest. I really don't know what you and everybody has been thinking about this this movie, these movies are boring me to tears. And it got me to thinking, is he an outlier or is the Godfather an example of confirmation bias? When so many people have said so many good things, you tend to place more value on something because you don't want to seem weird Mm. for being the one person that doesn't like it. Because frankly, um, Bob Dylan, I don't get Bob Dylan at all. I'm with you on Bob Dylan. At all. And I was listening, I was mowing the yard the other day, and I was listening to Lou Reed, um, you know, Walk on the Wild Side came on. And I'm like, I'm listening to the lyrics, and I'm like, this is just not a well-constructed song lyrically, but the bass hook is so awesome that I still like that song, but I can see if some people didn't like it because it's, I mean, it, I can see some people not liking it. So I wonder, I mean, do you think The Godfather is potentially a confirmation bias type? Or do you really think that those movies were phenomenal? I thought they were phenomenal. Why? I, because I, to me, the stories, the life lessons. And yeah, I said life lessons. I've said to people many times. Everything I've ever learned in life came from the Bible, church history, high school, or the Godfather movies. Is that a good thing? I don't know. I mean, look how I turned out. (laughs) (laughs) Since you put it that way, yeah, you might be onto something. Tell your buddy he's right. Damn it. Oh, well, okay. Back to the show. 